Hey, welcome back to Liturgy and Lore. This is Pastor Andy. And I'm Brother Evan. And you are listening to the show that looks at the supernatural and the fringe from a Reformed Christian worldview. Today, we're going to be looking at witchcraft, sorcery, witches, all of those fun things. So let's uh, see what we can brew up. Hey guys, welcome back to Liturgy and Lore. As always, this is Pastor Andy with Brother Evan. Uh, how you doing, Brother Evan? Uh, not too bad. It's been a little bit of a busy season here. Just between work and the pod, we've been up against the, the clock on a couple of these, getting them out in time. But hey, that makes it a little bit more real time for the listeners. So there's always a, a silver lining to those sorts of things. But yeah, it's been a, a good busy season. It'll be nice to kind of get through the next couple of weeks here and slow back down a little bit. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. And we are... Uh, as we're recording this, it's October 19th, and the Phillies just lost, and we are very invested in this Phillies team. <laughs> and so if you hear the sadness in our voices, it's because of that. But we're still up 2-1 as of recording this. So Yeah, Red October's still going strong. Still going strong. So uh, I guess without further ado, then, there's not a whole lot of catch-up on my end. Yours is just busy. Nobody wants to hear about our work life yep. <laughs> all that much. So let's jump into a little Weird Around the World. All right, our first one that I have two here. Which you got one you want to look at first here, brother Evan? Out of the two, uh, let's hit the one from Ontario first because I think the other one is a little more lighthearted. The first one yeah. I think is on the verge of like scary. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's why I picked it. I picked this. It's more from the conspiracy scary. It's not as PG-13 as last week, though, so don't let Scary uh, have anyone uh, tune out on this one. It's not Scary oh, yes, in that yes. sense. <laughs> right. Scary as just in what is the world coming to kind of thing yes. and what uh, not Scary as in spooky yes. um, or anything <laughs> like that. So the headline, this is from New York Post, and it says, School purges books published before 2008 in illogical inclusivity push. So... Yeah, there's a school in Ontario. It's called Arendelle Secondary School in Mississauga, Ontario. Sorry to our Canadian listeners. That got rid of 50% of its library books, which is crazy. And it's some new equity-based, they called it in quotes, equity-based book weeding in their school district. So, yeah, pretty nuts. It says, if the shelves look emptier right now, this is the... Uh, administrators saying this it's because we have to remove all books published prior to 2008 pretty nuts right brother Evan? what do you think about this one yeah i mean number one when you first said the name i didn't even catch it when i was reading it isn't like arendelle i have a two-year-old daughter so frozen is in our lineup a good bit and isn't that the name of the town that they live in in Frozen? I think that's is this even Arendale. Uh, okay. i don't think it's spelled the same way <laughs> this is Erin, like the female name e-r-i-n <laughs> <laughs> I say you have <laughs> more one. daughters than I do, so you probably know better. But uh, <laughs> anyway, that I, that was just something funny. I thought I, that was in there. But uh, yeah, no, <laughs> reading the headline number one on this was like, this sounds like something out of a sci-fi like movie or something like that. When you get into like a dystopian yeah. future or something, it definitely. It, I mean, it's surprising, but I guess it's not based on just all the stuff you hear all the time, even through like. We're in the U.S. and all the local school board stuff you hear around here. It hasn't gotten to that level. But you do hear the rumblings of people that aren't satisfied with the way things are handled. And people think certain books should be taken out. Certain books should be left in. 
you know what I mean? I'm not going to get into all that at this point. I'll just focus on this article. But, I mean, I guess I shouldn't be as shocked that something's happened where a whole bunch of books got pulled. But based on year is, I think, the part that really caught me off guard. It's not about the content that's in the books. And it's, you know I mean, which I can understand if you're in a secondary school, there might be mature themes you don't want secondary kids being sure. exposed to. Secondary is high school, right? Is that what they call uh, high school? Oh, maybe they do in Canada. Here, when I hear secondary, I think of like middle school or something like that. So maybe that oh. is high school. But still, they're not adults yet. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, still even like a 14-year-old, you should probably be thinking about what they're consuming. But anyway, this is just based on year. And like when you read down through the article, it talks about books like The Hungry Caterpillar being a victim of this. And yeah, there was just some other ones in here that were a little shocking that I wouldn't have guessed to be an issue at all. But uh, because of the date. But yeah, I, I won't jump too far ahead in the article because I'm sure you're going to go through and explain a little bit more. But yeah, that's just a hey, this is the first domino to fall type feel If when you're looking in the conspiratorial side of things. Like, this is kind of thing that can set things in motion, I feel like. Yeah, and they're looking for books that are inclusive and culturally responsive. They talk about being relevant and reflective of the students. And so this school, it seems like, or this district, decided to do that by just getting rid of all these old books. But it included things like The Diary of a Young Girl by Anne Frank, which is what we call the Diary of Anne Frank usually, yeah. but it's really called the Diary of a Young Girl. And then The Very Hungry Caterpillar, like being taken out of a out of a secondary school. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. Well, and also I will say that they have kind of given their statement back the school board or whatever, saying that it is more of a push to clean out old books that are not uh, in high demand or that are damaged, and that ones that were damaged that were taken out are going to be replaced with new copies and put back in circulation so that's kind of their defense once they saw the backlash it got it sounds like that that was kind of them trying to backpedal a little bit yeah so just to kind of give both sides here to be try to be as fair as we can but either way it is definitely uh alarming to see that happening because there's a lot of things that have happened prior to 2008 that could get weeded out of a school now again this was the school the specific school it wasn't like a government coming in and doing it to all schools it was a single school district it sounds like but still right and one other thought i had here was i mean this is what this is kind of the logical conclusion when you start making kind of be all end all social rules and then applying them backwards in history right like that's mm -hmm. a thing that's happened a lot like oh we are now going to judge the 40s based on 2023 standards right right like that's why movies are no longer able to be seen and and some of the things I think are right in saying like, we shouldn't be saying that like, right. They shouldn't have said that for example, like blackface was probably never a good thing. Right. right. Like, so it's good for us to say, Hey, let's not act like it was right and good then. And it's no problem. Or, and now it's a like problem, that they were right? in the like, right then, but it, yeah. now it's bad. Like, no, it was always in the wrong. It was always in the wrong. Right. But what we can get into the trap of then is like, throwing the baby out with the bathwater like yes those were bad things that happened then and i think we can say that there were also things that were written in that era that were very good <laughs> right right and in the same book right you might have things that are difficult and things that are really good for us to to learn and i do have i am okay with calling the is that the word c-u-l-l -L, that kind of call the selection of books like i get really frustrated 
This is a side rant, but it's our podcast. <laughs> when people talk about book bans right now, it's like in all the rage. Right. And they're like, no, you don't want a book with pornographic content in a high school. That's not right. a ban. Like right. a book ban is what like Hitler did, where he says like it's illegal to own this book. Right. When it's taken off of like you can't buy it on Amazon, you can't go to a bookstore if they still exist and buy it like where it gets pulled from like a public library. Yeah. Not well, even a, that. Like not a high school library. Right. Every book cannot be in every library. So sure. we have to make decisions, right? Like you have to choose what books are going to be in this library. I mean, we can't have every book in every high school library, right? And like we would say, I think every one of us has a line, like there's a certain kind of magazine. Yeah. We would say, no, that never has a place in a high school library. That's not banning it. Right. Right. Like, and I'm also like, maybe there's something should be banned, right? Like, actually, we all agree with that. What was that book that was, I don't even know if it's real or if it's just a rumor, like the anarchist cookbook, like telling you how to make bomb pipe bombs and stuff. Like, you know, there's a good thing if that's not published widely. Right. You know, like, because there are, there is some kind of speech that is not protected in free speech. Sure. And like decency laws were a thing in the United States. We can argue those, but this is, so I am for keeping some books out of libraries, but not everything before 2008 and like, <laughs> yeah, just erasing history in a lot of ways. Well, and that's what I was going to say. Like, even you going back to like saying like, yes, and we like everyone can agree this isn't a controversial controversial thing to say that blackface was bad but that doesn't mean you need to never talk about those films or uh theater productions or anything and or even erase see them. them because when you do that then it erases the conversation of yes that was bad we shouldn't do that you when you erase it that's when stuff happens again eventually down the line like yeah you need to be able to talk about the bad things that have happened in history and be able to learn from them and grow from them and not repeat them and when you erase that history and just say, hey, this never happened, it also puts the people that were harmed in that or were belittled by that. It's like saying, hey, we don't even need to talk about that. Like, let's just pretend it never happened. Like, that's which in itself is wrong. Here's one other good example, and then we'll move on to the next one. You know, as we're recording this, all the atrocities in Israel or in Gaza are happening. And we live in an area that has a high Jewish population. Some of my friends are are Jewish. And I know I was recently talking to one of my friends, he goes to our church, and he was telling me about how his daughter told him, she's grown, she's a she's a college-age daughter, that they don't even talk about the Holocaust in school anymore. So a bunch of these kids are running around, like, saying stuff that's totally inappropriate because they have no context to know, like, no, this really killed six million people. Right. But because it's insensitive to talk about, they just take it out of the schools. Now, she knows it because she's Jewish, like, ethnically, mm -hmm. and, like, learned about her history. But, like, her schoolmates, they never talked about it. I was like, that can't be true. And he's like, no, really, they never talked about the Holocaust all of her years of public school. Like, what? That's wild in itself. And to bring it full circle back to the article, like, that's what one of the – there was – I think it said she was a junior or sophomore that was interviewed who's of Japanese descent. And, like, her big concern is, like, hey, before 2008, there were internment camps and stuff like that. We need to be able to talk about that. We need to have access to books that talk about these things. You took them all out of my public school. What's going on here? Like, this is yeah. not good. So to kind of bring yeah. full circle back to the article, but. Yep. All right. So that was our first one. Now more of a fun one. So this one, I found the article from Not The Bee, which is one of our favorite sites here, because there is no other really article. They just found a, a study 
that they looked at. So I should probably say what it is first before we get that far. (laughs) This headline says, did scientists just create bulletproof silk by crossing a silkworm with a spider? (laughs) So pretty cool. They're citing a study from cell.com. It looks like it's, I mean, I don't know anything about cell.com, but the study, it looks like they're like um, articles, uh, what am I, like academic articles. And it, the title of this essay or article was high strength and ultra tough whole spider silk fibers spun from transgenic silkworms. So I wouldn't know what that means. That's why we use the (laughs) not the bee headline. And it's exactly what you think it is. It sounds like Spider-Man. So at Donghua University in China, they've now made bulletproof vests out of the, the worm or the silk protein from a silkworm. And they used the CRISPR, if you're familiar with the CRISPR DNA, like splicer thing, to take these, it says an orb spider and a silkworm together. And now they have something that is six times stronger than Kevlar, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. There's not much more to say other than this is Spider-Man, right? (laughs) I mean, I don't know if it's exactly Spider-Man, but it is pretty awesome. It's exactly. There is no difference between this and Spider-Man. You're going to get all of the comic book and like Marvel nerds sending you hate mail now. And I'm saying you because I'm not agreeing with you on that. So... Pastor Andy stands alone. Join hashtag Team Brother Evan because I know who Spider Man is, and he's not a silkworm. <laughs> right, he's a spider. Anyway, uh, now that we know that Pastor Andy doesn't know his nerd stuff, his uh, nerd universes. This was actually a really cool article to read on that. It actually made me think of our pig weird around the world from uh, yeah. a few months ago with Miss Piggy and porky and uh the CRISPR technology on that and like but this is actually going outside of the same animal and starting to pull two different animals together insects anyway i don't know if that's a difference in dna complexity or anything but i have no idea asking the wrong guy (laughs) yeah i think this is a lot cooler than that maybe not cooler i'm more excited about this because this seems genuinely really helpful without really much downside that i can foresee right like we're not eating these things they're just making silk, which is what they already do. They've just made a better one. I mean, I guess you could say the downside could be is if they start putting together like some crazy predatory animals or something and start using them to oh, yeah. fight sure. in battle. <laughs> if they would do that, yes, you're right. I'm talking about this specific yes. animal <laughs> okay, that they're I gotcha. creating. <laughs> I was like, there's definitely a dark road if in the conspiracy yeah. world with this. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. But like it says they could make bulletproof vests that are uh, six times stronger than Kevlar, but lightweight, right? Yeah. Because like, it's silk. You could weave something together and, you know, you think about how that could save lives in the military context or law enforcement, anything like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. And they're even looking at making sutures out of it. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. That could hold things, you know, maybe sew up some wounds that might not hold otherwise or something like that. Just incredibly strong and light and I don't know. I can think of a lot of things you could do with really strong fibers, you know, especially now. I don't know what the cost is going to be to produce this. I think that would be probably the next question on that. How like supply and demand if you can keep up. But I mean, there's always going to be a high demand for very strong, lightweight textiles. You know what I mean? Like that's something. Right. I mean, you weave it into ropes and use it for stuff like that. And I mean, there'd be an unending probably number of uses for something like this. This one's actually kind of nerdy to be excited about but i am (laughs) yeah 
yeah, so there's not much more to say about it because I'm not reading the journal article <laughs> from the academic journal. I just am spouting out information that's probably half true. But <laughs> yeah, I will say, though, from the not the B article, I think my favorite part was the end of it, which I'll just read here. Uh, they kind of sum it all up here. And for anyone that's old enough to remember Bill and Ted, I think you'll appreciate this reference. Uh, it just says, so if you ever wondered why those radical future politicians in Bill and Ted were all wearing silk robes, now we know it was body armor. The future is now. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, there, I think that's a fun, lighter, weird around the world today. Even the one about um, hospitals. Wow. Talking about sutures made the leap in my head. About libraries. <laughs> it's not encouraging news, but it's not as dark as last week. Um, and then we get to talk about fun stuff with crazy Spider-Man worms. Yeah, and hopefully the stuff with the libraries, that'll be enough to kind of get people to take a step back from what's going on and realize, wow, we're we're definitely going too far with something. Yeah, barreling down a road yeah. that we don't want to barrel down. So uh, should we jump into the topic then, Brother Evan? Yeah, uh, get us started. What are we talking about tonight? All right, tonight we're kind of, I'm lumping all these things together, but I called it witches, witchcraft, and sorcery. We could put other things in there like spells, magic with a K, voodoo, all of that kind of stuff is what we're looking at today. You know, it's this will be released our last episode in October, right? So... Uh, right before Halloween, you think of Halloween, witches kind of comes to mind. You think of um, what was the, what's the famous movie, Hocus Pocus, all that kind of stuff. Yep. And so thought it was helpful to talk about because you're going to see it everywhere. What, it, what should Christians think about it? And does the Bible say anything about witches? So I'm lumping all of these things under this one definition. I'm looking at religious practices. I'm loosely defining that word religious. Religious practices in which one seeks to have control over nature through supernatural means, usually aided by spirits, right? So that's what they're trying to do. It's when you do some kind of ritual or religious practice and you're trying to control nature, the world around you, right? So you can think of things like spells, casting a spell on something. What does it do? It's trying to control the natural world. Even in humorous versions of this, right? That's what it is. It's like, oh, I'm going to turn a frog into a prince or a prince into a frog. Yeah, there you right? go. Like, well, the other way too. You got to yeah. get him back. I guess. Right. <laughs> or I'm going to do a love spell and make this person fall in love with me, which is actually real, really quite a popular spell, it sounds like, anyway, in real life to try and do. Voodoo dolls, where if I stag, stab this doll in the knee, then you have knee pain, things like that. So that, that's what we're talking about today is that kind of stuff any other things you'd put in that category of like sorcery witchcraft witches brother evan i don't know if anything specific comes to mind but just to kind of head off any emails or questions on it this is definitely more of a fifty thousand foot view of the topic uh there's probably going to be about 50 different things we could do specific topics on down the line you know what i mean talking about something like magic or witches or voodoo or wicca specifically like they're all very yes they could all be drilled down into and you could spend hours on each of them we're kind of staying sure. at the high level view that with that definition you gave um just to kind of clarify that so yeah yeah we'll, we'll probably be staying at more of a high level on this there might be a few things uh that we do drill into a little bit more um but if we don't get into the specific thing you're interested on let us know in our email or socials yeah and we'll make sure to make note of it maybe we'll do an episode on it someday yeah and it, it you know I hope non-Christians listen to this podcast, and if you're like, I'm a witch, and that's not you know, what I believe, I want to say thank you for listening, and that might be true. We're looking at things from the high level, as Evan said, and we are 
trying to give kind of the Bible's take on it. And the Bible lumps all these things together because it's, well, we'll get there. We'll get there. Why it lumps (laughs) them together. So here's some kind of stats on witchcraft today, uh, because it is seeing a resurgence, actually. Today, it's most often associated with Wicca, or, you know, here, Wiccans. Wiccans often call themselves witches. It's different, though, than the witchcraft of old, especially, like, if you're thinking or, um, 1600s, like the Salem witch trials, those were not supposed to have been Wiccans. Even if what was reported at those trials was true, that was more of, like, a Satanist or voodoo kind of witchcraft. They were not Wiccans. Wiccans tend to... Again, we are speaking in generalizations here. There's not like a governing body of Wiccans where you can say, here's like the catechism or their confession of faith or something like that. Yeah, from my understanding, it's all very personalized uh, for that. So again, to your point, we're kind of speaking from a a high level on that. Yeah, generalities here. But typically, Wiccans believe in kind of the spirits of nature, right? Like it's a nature worship religion, kind of polytheistic um, or pantheistic even. Mm -hmm. which is the difference. Polytheistic means lots of gods. Pantheistic is like God is in everything. Right. You can think of even like Native American religion a little bit, like the the spirit of the the deer and of the tree and of the rock and of the this thing and that thing. That's kind of pantheistic. There are 1.5 million witches in the United States today. This is self-reported based on different polls and things, which is a lot. Yeah. And it's a huge increase over the last couple of years, like in the last two decades. Um, it went from something in the hundred, I think it was like 100,000 to over 1.5 million. To put that into context, this was a kind of a crazy stat to me. There are more people who call themselves witches than would report to be a part of the PCUSA, the Presbyterian Church, United States of America. Wow. Yes. Now, the PCUSA, just if you're listening, is not all Presbyterians. Right. Right. It is a specific denomination of Presbyterian. It is the liberal denomination of Presbyterian. Theologically liberal, I mean. Mm-hmm. But there are more. And it is, cla- it is quite classically known to be dying. And so it's going down. Witchcraft is rising. There's a website or a statistic grouping website or group called Sta- Statista, I think is how they say it. And they say that 20% of Americans believe that spells work which, or believe in something like spells, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, right? one in five. Yep, exactly. And so, yeah, why not talk about it? Now, do you want to talk a little bit about Wicca? Oh, before we do there, there's also something, one of the most popular hashtags on TikTok, supposedly. I don't have TikTok. Don't plan to get one. <laughs> yeah. But uh, some, according to others, is uh, something, there's a hashtag called Witch Talk. People using TikTok to teach each other and share kind of their thoughts on witchcraft and teach each other witchcraft, which is crazy. And then there was even a very public kind of unity amongst witches where they were casting spells on Donald Trump and on Justice Kavanaugh when he was going through the process to be a new Supreme Court justice. The witches were on social media and calling to do spells and specific spells against these guys on the same day. So... Kind of crazy, right? Were you familiar with any of this popularity or have you seen it in your life at all? I've definitely I've definitely seen a rise in it, I'd say even over the last 10 years or so, even like since I've been out of college. And just I think it's actually kind of surprising to me the more I think about it because not to dive too much into 
my past or anything, but I've always kind of been more into the alt culture, I guess you could call it, as far as like the music mm-hmm. scene and just kind of the group of people I would run with, you know what I mean? Uh, this like hardcore style music and stuff like that and going to those kind of shows. And it was never really big. I mean, I'm sure it was there and I didn't notice it. And depending on if I listen to different bands, maybe it was. But as I've gotten out of that more so as I've gotten older and have a family and stuff, I feel like I see it even more now, which is shocking. I You'd think that it would have been more prevalent seeing it on my social medias back then than now as a yeah. an old guy, essentially. Well, like, it's definitely become it's being more, mainstream. That's what I was just going to say. It's more yeah. in the mainstream um, that I see it more. And it's, yeah, kind of surprising to me on that front. But yeah, I mean, I, I see it pretty regularly almost as far as like you said stuff like witch talk and i don't even have a tiktok but facebook and instagram you always see the reposts of stuff like that and yeah it's almost become like a i think some people look at almost as like a game almost or like a hobby not even a religion yes sort of thing not to take us too off far off course but i think that's almost the the vibes as the kids say uh, <laughs> yeah, and it's it's definitely blended quite a bit with new age. Yeah, philosophy. There's a lot of that in there uh, because there's not authority structures, and I think that's very popular uh, right now. Is we live in such an independent, I make my own reality kind yep. of age that we don't want authority. And Wicca, in particular, is very uh, appealing if you're in that world, right? I don't want to. I don't want any authority on me. I want to be authority even over nature, right? And so. Well, and that's what I was going to say with it, like, as far as earlier we mentioned when we first introduced it, that it is very individualized, that each individual person that practices it can kind of put their own spin to it, and they can have certain spirits or whatever that they worship, but maybe someone else has other ones, and you can kind of pick and choose what is right for you, and it really fits the culture of today of you do you that goes on with it, and it, it fits with the culture of... Uh, self-empowerment and it's putting me at the front of it and it's saying I'm choosing my happiness so this is what puts me there it's very self-centered in that aspect as far as being what I want it to be I can make it what I want yeah rather than submitting to something else but yeah it's it's interesting it also kind of lets you cast off the we live in a world where everything is in the category of like oppressor and oppressed Mm-hmm. You know, think of like critical theory, and I don't just mean race, critical race theory, but critical theory in general talks about how the world is divided amongst oppressor groups and oppressed groups. And what group has been labeled an oppressor group is Christianity, right? right? And you can think, okay, well, who did they oppress? There is now social capital to being in the oppressed group, right? Without going too far down this like philosophy train there is social capital to be gained by being in one of these oppressed groups, especially kind of the oppressed groups du jour, um, if we <laughs> want to call them that, right? Like, here's the cool one to be in. I get social capital for this. And so I think it's, it is appealing to be like, well, I'm not like those other white people, <laughs> right. you know, or whatever. I'm not like Christians. I am a, actually something totally different that doesn't have authority. So there's no way I could be oppressing you. There's also like this return to roots kind of like ancient... Oh, I, I want to be a part or in touch with ancient stuff, which is really ironic. This is something I wanted to point <laughs> out. So people think, and I've heard this from witches that I know or, or people who are on like social media that I don't know also, well, this is the original religion, right? This is the religion. We're worshiping nature. That's what our ancient ancestors did. They worship nature. I hate to break it to that group of people, but Wicca was not invented <laughs> Until like 
1950. <laughs> it was actually a religion that was, yes, invented. Let me see if I can find here really quickly when it came to be. Um, but it was very late on in the times of history, so to speak. So 1930s is where this guy named Gerald Gardner, who is considered the founder of modern Wicca, he started to have these like experiences in the woods with some friends. And he wrote books about it, and it was not until his 1959 book that was called The Meaning of Witchcraft that Wicca was brought to the world as this modern revival of ancient paganism. But he made up most of it. So it is not the oldest religion. This is not like right. what the Druids were practicing. Well, that's what I was just going to say. I think a lot of people connect it back to like paganism and like the pagan Druids and the different Celtic religions that are were older like you know what i mean i think that's what they try to tie it to and but again that goes with the hey pick your flavor of it i'm gonna tie some of that in and pull it in so now i can say that's what my wicca is yeah and if they want to say that that's fine i just want people to know they're not correct it is not <laughs> what they were practicing yeah so it's just something really to think about and i'm looking here i had a really good quote this is from julie i guess she says her name royce r-o-y-s she's a Christian kind of investigative journalist for the Christian Post, um, or she said this to the Christian Post. She said, Wicca has effectively repackaged witchcraft for millennial consumption, Royce continued. No longer is witchcraft and paganism satanic and demonic. It's a, and she puts this in quote, pre-Christian tradition that promotes the free thought and understanding of earth and nature. And so it's just repackaging this thing for a new generation, but getting rid of all the parts that are socially not acceptable mm -hmm. and all the parts that are socially acceptable about free thought. And that's actually why it's blown up to this. Whoever created it and who's ever marketed it has done a really good job of making sure that there's a really good face of it coming forward. So yeah, kind of crazy to think that it's blown up so much, but it makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah. Uh, but there are other types of, of witchcraft that go on. There is satanic witchcraft. There is dark witchcraft. A lot of people split it up, even within the witch community, it seems, which I think is a thing. I don't know what they would call themselves into black and white magic. Mm -hmm. Most would advocate for what we would what they would call white magic. And you can even see it in like darkness and light here kind of metaphors. They're pushing the idea. So one of the Wiccan, what's the word I'm looking for? Like sayings or slogans is do what you want, but cause no harm. So they say it's a lot of like, you can live your own life, just don't hurt anybody. Right. Which is like kind of the mantra of the modern world in a lot of ways. So you can see why it's appealing. But they believe that magic is only to be done for good purposes, whatever they define as good. But usually it's things like, oh, I'm going to get cast a spell to help me get a job or help my friend get a job or fall in love or to live a little longer or to cure this disease or to make the weather nice. All these kinds of things. Along that line, like nothing nefarious. You know what I'm saying, Brother right. Evan? Right. And then there are those who would consciously even practice what they would call black magic. And that's frowned upon by the, the Wiccan and witch community in general. Um, so I do want to represent people well. Most witches are not wanting to hurt people. Yeah. At least, you know, any more than you or I want to hurt <laughs> <Right>. people. <laughs> but there are those that do, just like there are lots of people that want to hurt people out in the world. And those would be those that practice what they call black magic. Black is kind of the evil doer kind of stuff, right? Like I'm going to, that's voodoo tends to be much darker. I want to hurt somebody. I'm going to cast a spell that 
like a curse on someone. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hex someone. We've talked about that in one of our other episodes about a hex. That is black magic. And they generally tend to be even think of themselves as dealing with evil much more than good, even in their own framework. Right. That's kind of my really, really high overview of magic and witchcraft and sorcery. I thought we could spend, that's shorter than normal, because I think we have a lot we can say about what the Bible says about this today. You good with that? Yeah, and I want to say too, kind of like we said at the beginning, just to reiterate it, that if we do have anyone listening that would put themselves into this category or say that they practice any of this, number one, thanks for listening, and we hope you hear what we have to say and you stick around for the Bible part of it as well. But let us know what your thoughts are on that, on how you would define it or what you have to say. I mean, we're happy to talk with with you guys as well and have those conversations. Um, Let us know where maybe we are off a little bit or where you see differences from what we're seeing. And yeah, feel free to reach out to us. Yeah. So jumping into what the Bible says, the reason we lumped all these together is because the Bible lumps them together. It uses this word, which may sound familiar to some listeners, pharmakia. That's the word that the Bible uses for all of this kind of, your, your English Bible might call it sorcery, or usually does, or witchcraft, kind of the two most common things that are, are ways that it's, it's lumped in the Bible, or in our English Bibles. But it uses pharmakia. It's actually the word where we get the word pharmacy from, which is interesting. That does not mean, let me just get out ahead of things, that we think all pharmaceuticals are witchcraft. <laughs> Right. Well, how did it get there then? Why do we use that word? Well, there's lots of reasons probably. One being that medicine and magic were not so uh, separate for a lot of human history. Absolutely. You know, it's still not like you think of like a witch doctor, right? Like in other parts of the world and in other cultures. So there's partly that, right? So that is why the pharmacy has this pharmacia root in it. But also... Things like psychoactive drugs, drugs in general, were a, were and are a giant part of a lot of sorcery and ritual anyway, right? So, like, think of things like, well, one, smoking weed. People smoke weed and do spells, apparently. That's a thing. But even more so than that, think about all the, the rise in popularity of, like, acid trips mm-hmm. to connect with spirits, right? Or Aaron Rodgers and ayahuasca and stuff like that. I was going like to say, that. yep, ayahuasca. <laughs> all of those kinds of things, you know, magic mushrooms and using that to, to get in touch with spirits and all of that kind of stuff. So that's why the word pharmakia is used for pharmacy. That does not mean that you are practicing witchcraft when you take Tylenol. Okay, I don't want you to feel anyone to freak out <laughs> and be like, oh, that's witchcraft. Or if you take antibiotics, like take your antibiotics when you have strep throat. <laughs> yeah, finish out those 10 days, people. Yes. Yes, no superbugs being created here. We are not anti-modern medicine <laughs> as a whole. <laughs> That's another episode. I was say, yeah, day. don't go down that rabbit hole right now. <laughs> yes. So, um, <laughs> so that's the word that the scripture uses, and that's why I lumped all these together. So, don't want to bury the lead. Let me just be clear: the Bible says that these this is not good. It never once lists pharmakia as something we should want to do, desire to do, or even try to do. It says it's bad. Here's what that does mean, too. That means that both black magic and white magic, are, that's a misnomer, yeah. uh, according to the Bible. It's all part of this evil that you shouldn't do. So that's an important thing for Christians. It's not like, oh, Christians are fine with the white magic, but the black magic is bad. We can do, bad, we can do good things through evil means. 
right? Like that happens. We need to do God's work God's way is how I've had a pastor say it Mm. before. So is it good to help your friend get a job where they make more money? Yes. Generally, that's a good thing, right? Like I want to help my friends be successful, but using magic to do that is not good. I'm doing something good through a non-good way. We shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. In this case, the ends does not justify the means. Correct. Right. Like that's a big deal. And so maybe let's just look at a couple times in the Bible where we see witchcraft. Uh, one, it is just listed over and over and over again as something not to do. So here, like here's, a, I'll just give two verses. One is Deuteronomy 18.9. I think we read this before. It says, when you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations. That's verse nine. There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering, anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens or a sorcerer, so doing pharmakia. We're not supposed to do that. Or a charmer or a medium or a necromancer or anyone who inquires of the dead. We talked about this last week. You're not supposed to do any of those things, right? He says, and drive those people out, right? That's what he says. You should drive that out of this land. When you go there, don't have anything to do with this. Um, the end of the, that's pretty close to the beginning of the Bible. At the end of the Bible, Revelation 21 says this in verse eight, but as for, and listen to this list of people that it lumps together. I think that's helpful to see. Like these are all kind of equally bad things. The cowardly, the faithful, faith, sorry, the cowardly, <laughs> the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion this is a big deal, will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. And so it's a very strong warning, the same as murder, right? And idolatry, if you are practicing sorcery. So again, the Bible's pretty clear, don't do it. And I just picked two because we could pick probably 50 verses yeah. that are very explicit. This is not something that the Bible is kind of vague about, right, Brother Evan? Like, yeah, and it comes clear. up a lot. Like, it's not like it's... Yes. Just like a, hey, we're going to say this here and leave it alone. Like it is repeated in Old and New Testament that it's not to be messed with. Yeah. So this is something that that would inform me at least a little bit to think, oh, this must have always been a thing that was important to remind the people of clearly because they were tempted to do it. Right. Right. And again, going back to what we've said the last couple of weeks, the Bible doesn't really tend to warn us against things that are impossible, right? It it warns us against things that we can do, but shouldn't, right? Like it tells you not to lie because you can and actually are prone to lying. And so same way, it tells you not to practice sorcery because you can practice it and you will be, you will have a temptation to practice it, right? The Bible's not telling me not to eat a poop flavored burrito, right? (laughs) Because I'm not, well, one, it would just be gross. Yeah, poop-flavored burrito. That's the next shirt. (laughs) It's late, and we just watched the Phillies game, and they lost. So I'm in rare form. But it doesn't tell me not to do that, one, because it's not sinful, but two, because there's no temptation on most people's parts to do that. So anyway, the Bible does then, I thought maybe a cool spot, by the way, Brother Evan, jump in any time, is to talk about three times where we do see sorcery and it works in the Bible. Mm. What do you think about that? Yeah. Yeah, let's go for it. Okay. 
So the first one, we're going to hit really quickly because we've talked about it ad nauseum, and that is the story of the Witch of Endor, right? We don't need to talk about that again too much, but that's King Saul goes right. and speaks to a witch, and she calls up Samuel, and they actually talk to Samuel, right? Like the ghost comes up, and he talks to him. So that's the first one. The second one I wanted to look at a lot more is the story of Pharaoh's magicians. So in Exodus 7, let me pull it up here, actually. Yeah, I always think of this one as being like an epic showdown where yes. someone gets blown out of the water each time, but I won't throw too many spoilers out there. <laughs> yeah, so they so this is the story of when Moses goes to Pharaoh. Uh, Moses is going to lead the Jewish people out of slavery in Egypt, and he goes to Pharaoh because God's told him to do that. He goes, He says, go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. And prove your, he's, and Moses is scared. He says, how do I prove that it's God that sent me? And he says, I'm going to give you a couple signs. So in Exodus 7, it says, then Moses, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, when Pharaoh show, says to you, prove yourself by working a miracle, you shall say to Aaron, take your sca- staff, cast it down before Pharaoh, and it may become a serpent. Okay. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron cast down his staff before Pharaoh and his servants, and it became a serpent. That's crazy. Let's just pause there, right? Yeah. Like, a stick turned into a snake. Okay. Then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers, and they, the magicians of Egypt. This is not like David Blaine magician, although he's kind of crazy. I say, yeah, he, he might not be to. a good example. <laughs> um, this is not just illusions. Anyway, he calls them, and they did the same by their secret arts, it says. For each man cast down his staff, and they became serpents. Like, that's crazy, right? Like, they were able to do the same thing through dark magic. And I don't mean white or black. I mean through secret arts, as the Bible calls it. This is tapping into powers that aren't God. But here's my favorite part. But Aaron's staff swallowed (laughs) up their staffs. Like, super cool. Like you said, epic showdown. Yeah. His stick that turned into a snake eats all their snakes that came from sticks like it's just like mic drop after mic drop in these it is like, amazing <laughs> yeah it's so cool so there's a time it actually happens in scripture where it worked for somebody right like it didn't end up being what you want it to be right but it worked kind of creepy right um and it comes up again it says uh so another time in chapter eight it says so aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt. This is during one of the plagues. And frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. But the magicians did the same by their secret arts and made frogs come up on the land of Egypt. And so they were able to like kind of summon these frogs too, using their kind of magic. And it doesn't say that they were tricking people. Right. Right? Like maybe they were. It doesn't say they weren't. But the Bible tends to, I think, put it in such a way that they were able to replicate the same power just not as strong, right? Like they were able to do it through dark means, counterfeit means using these other spirits that aren't God, but God was better. Yeah. I was going to say like the whole point of these, these stories in the Bible is to kind of prove what you're just saying rather, or show those things that you're saying rather than like, if they were tricking people like you're saying, again, it it very well could be, but just kind of my thought process is that's how they would have been exposed rather than just the staff eating the other staffs or whatever. You know I mean? The snake eating the other snakes there would have been a, hey, someone pulled the curtain down and, oh, we saw that it was just some illusion or something. You know what I mean? Like, rather than just showing that 
God's power is greater than these dark secrets and the power that they have. They, you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying on that? Am I making yeah, sense? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. He, that, that's the way to expose it is to say your gods aren't real, but they didn't say that. Right. They said your magic is real, but it's weak and there it's we go. a counterfeit. That's why it's you're a, a pastor and talk in yeah. front of people on a weekly basis and I sit in an office. <laughs> sure. We'll go with that. But, <laughs> but anyway, the point there being they were able to do some of this magic, right? So no, I want to be clear what we're saying is not that witchcraft isn't real or doesn't work. If you want to define work as produce some of the desired effects, right? I think it very well could be real, uh, probably is real. It, it probably really is touching into some things, but I think it's things you don't want to be messing with as yeah. we talked about crossing over last week. What do you think about that stuff, Brother Evan? Yeah, I mean, I think you're definitely on to something with it being real because I think the Bible says it's real. So I don't want to downplay that. I don't think we see a lot of examples in our everyday life of people being successful with it. If that makes sense, I feel like we're not. And again, maybe there is stuff happening and we just, I'm not exposed to it because I'm not in those circles. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, that's not fair for me to say, I guess um, I'm kind of thinking out loud here because I think there's definitely a bias because we see it in like cartoons and stuff like that. And we see it in pop culture stuff. And it's just like, Oh, that's cute. They're saying their silly spells or playing with whatever they have and kind yeah. of writing it off. But I mean, maybe there is more going on behind the scenes in a spiritual sense than what I do actually see. Um, Cause like I said, I do think it is real. You know what I mean? I do think that there is something that's being tapped into whether results are happening or not. I think when you're doing that, you're opening yourself up, I think is the more important piece, whether the results are happening or not, I think is less relevant. Um, I think it's, I mean, I guess if it's being harmful, yes, that's a big deal. But I think the bigger cautionary word here is hey when you do that you're opening yourself up for these spirits to do what they're doing with you you know what i mean and kind of either oppress or to abide in your dwellings or you know what i mean i don't know i don't i don't yeah. have a very good way to explain kind of what i'm thinking on that front but i just think opening your up opening yourself up i think is the the biggest thing there and shouldn't be messed with yeah and i i have heard quite a few stories from people who are now christians who practiced this kind of stuff that it does work. It mm. seems to like people have weird experiences, like crazy experiences of knowing the future and things like that. And being able to, or to some degree, being able to know some things and being able to uh, mess with people and being able to, you know, I've heard stories of people who do some kind of wealth chant thing and then they get a promotion and stuff like that. Like pretty. And some of that is like, okay, coincidental. Sure. But I've heard too many stories to say like, oh, it's all coincidence, right? Well, like, and I guess too, like if you're not seeing results, are you really going to stick with it right? for something exactly. like that? Because there's not much of a end goal to it other than the immediate, hey, this is what I'm trying to get out of it. It's not like there's a future hope in this. You know what I mean? Right, that, you're, exactly. that you're playing the long exactly. game. You're playing the short game of, hey, this is the next thing I'm trying to get out of this. This is the next thing that I'm trying to conjure or whatever. So... I mean, I guess there has to be some sort of result or people wouldn't, it wouldn't be growing. Right, exactly. And, but one thing I want to say about this is I think people should understand that are practicing these things or tempted to, you may feel like you're controlling things, but actually you're being controlled, I think is what's happening. Here. Yeah, I think you're more of a tool. Yeah, exactly. So you are being tricked because these spirits, which we believe are real, listen to our divine counsel episode. Mm -hmm. We talked about that and lots of other episodes. 
these spirits, uh, of course, they don't want you to follow the true living God and Jesus who's going to win this war, right? They don't want you to follow Jesus. And so they can give you some things temporarily. It's kind of like the the pimp, right? Like, yeah. to, honestly, who gives you some nice things, but then you're theirs, right? Like you are now, you've got so deep into this that you can't get out. Or the mm-hmm. drug dealer who gives you your first hit for free, right? right? Like, it's like that. It, it, I think that's how it tends to work. And let me be clear also. Well, let me read the next Bible passage that I think tells us another time where it seems to be real. Um, this is a little bit blurrier than that, but there's this, in the book of Acts, Acts 8, it says there was a man named Simon who practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying this man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him for a long time, or because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. So there's this guy named Simon who is in this area and he's doing things that it says from the least to the greatest. If he's tricking people, he's really good. Yeah. Like even the smartest people are being tricked, which could be true, but it seems like he's doing some real miracles and things like that. Cause they're saying this is God doing this, right? Like this is the man mm-hmm. who's got the power of God. And then Philip rolls up through the disciple Philip and he preaches Jesus People get baptized, and it says even Simon himself believed and is baptized. But then he starts to see these miracles and these signs that Philip's performing, and he actually goes and offers them money. And he says, hey, uh, I saw you laying hands on people, and they got the Holy Spirit. I'll give you this money if you do that for me so that I can then do these cool, this cool, powerful stuff. So again, it makes me think he must have had some kind of power because he recognized it. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, I want to add that to my repertoire. Yeah, let me put that in my tool belt. Yes. He didn't say, how, tell me how you're doing that trick, right? He seems to just assume it's real, which makes me think he's seen real things before, but he does see that there's something qualitatively different about what the, the apostles are doing. The power of the Holy Spirit from the good news of the gospel of Jesus is different than what he's ever seen before. Mm-hmm. He wants it, right? And he sh- shows himself to not be a believer. Actually, though, then he does tend to come around. It seems like they basically say, uh, you're, you're wicked and the Lord could kill you, and so you should repent. And he does say, pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you have said may come to me. Like, maybe he does repent. I don't mm-hmm. know. It's kind of left vague. But there's another time. We have another magician in Scripture. But again, I think it's there to show us God's power can't be manipulated the way spell, like through spells and things like that. And it's better than any of those as well. So any thoughts on that story there, Brother Evan? Uh, not specifically on that, but I think it does kind of play into just a word of caution to anyone that uh, would consider themselves to be a Christian that yeah. tries to dabble in some of this stuff as far as like white magic or trying to get like, what even if it's getting into new age, that kind of gets on the edge of this like it's not <laughs> you know what i mean like it yes. you can't have one foot in both you can't say oh hey i want a piece of what god has while still clinging to your spells and you know what i mean whatever practices there are in sorcery or witchcraft or whatever you want to call it i think it's just a cautionary tale that kind of yeah not exactly a one-for-one example but I, I, that's kind of what comes to mind as we talk about that even if you're looking to do it for good and even if you're saying and again i'm saying this in air quotes are listeners can't see that doing it for the lord 
uh, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because I think that that's even a thing I've seen too. Again, it's kind of mixing that new age ish into that. Oh yeah, there are people that call themselves Christian witches, which right. is not real. Yep. Right. Like, or you may be thinking you're doing it, but you are not really serving the Lord when you do that. Right. So I think that takes me to a good kind of wrap up to this before we kind of get out of here today, brother Evan. And that is, you know, speaking of the good magic, the bad magic, all of that kind of stuff is irrelevant. Why? Because when you're doing these things, what you're, tr- what you're attempting to do is play the role of God. Mm-hmm. You're trying to control nature in a way that you're not supposed to. And the reason you are trying to control nature is in a way you are worshiping yourself and worshiping created things, right? That's These spells are not that I would get to heaven one day and be sinless so that right. I can be before Jesus, my Lord, right? Like one, that would not make sense, but it's all things to like get stuff. I want this thing. I want to feel better. I want to. Yeah, it's, it's all the short term. Yes. And so I think what we're doing or when people are doing these things, they are doing exactly. I'm going to sum it up with Romans 1:25, which says this. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator. Mm. And there's a two level thing here. One, you are serving creation worshiping creation, meaning I want these temporary things. I'm worshiping those. I have to have those. Then I'll be happy. If I have money, if I have a good love life, if I have whatever, friends, if I have status, you're worshiping the created things rather than the creator. But it's even deeper than that because in witchcraft, you are connecting with spirits, probably if you're doing it. And you are, those are created things too. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Like, so you are, you are worshiping these created fallen spirits rather than the creator. And you've actually, when you do that, you've exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And so we don't want our listeners to do that. We want (laughs) what's best for you, not from what we think is best, but what the creator God who made you says is best. And that's to have relationship with him and worship and serve him. And the ultimate way we do that is through a relationship with Christ. Jesus lived the life that you could never live perfectly worshiping the creator, never worshiping created things. And then he died the death that us idolaters, uh, the sorcerers, all of those things deserve to die paying our penalty. So if you are a witch listening to this, there's forgiveness in Jesus, Mm -hmm. right? You can find forgiveness in Jesus and turn to him. If you've dabbled, you can find forgiveness in Jesus. If you're not a witch, never did any of that stuff, but you haven't been serving the creator and you've been serving created things, you still need a savior. And there's forgiveness in him as well through coming to him and admitting your faults and trusting in Christ to pay your, pay your penalty. And that's really what this is all about, right? We, we want to worship the God rightly, not worship these other things. Absolutely. So that's it I have for witchcraft today, Brother Evan, and I think we're getting up on an hour mark here. So anything you want to add? Yeah. So this is kind of taking a little bit of a turn from kind of the more, I don't want to say academic because we didn't get too academic and we didn't use too many too too many big words in there but uh (laughs) i feel like when the topic of witchcraft comes up in christian circles the question comes up and this might be a little uh hot button for some people what does this mean for me as a kid or a parent or whatever that likes harry potter books you know what i mean is it something that we need to be careful of is it something that we just need to pray and see how God kind of leads us as a sign that, you know what I mean? Is it an individual thing on that front where it's, hey, if we feel convicted, don't read them. You know what I mean? What what kind of things does this mean for something like that that is a kid's book? Yeah, that's a good question. 
So first of all, let me start with this. If you feel convicted, you definitely shouldn't read them. The Bible yep. says that to go against conscience is to sin. And so uh, it uses the example of like eating food sacrificed to idols and the dietary laws. If you in good conscience can't do something, whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. And so if it bothers you to read them, it actually is sin for you to read those books and you should not read them. If you're feeling convicted, a soft conscience is a good thing. Yeah. You don't want to waste it and harden your soft conscience by just, oh, I'll just push through and then I can read this book. So that I'm very clear on. Yes. Because the Bible is very clear. You shouldn't do it if you are feeling convicted. Beyond that, I think we have principles. I don't want to like bind somebody else's conscience. So I think right. the best I can do is what I think about these things and maybe what I think the Bible leads to. So let me start with, this is from Philippians 4 verse 8, says this, uh, says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So that is the, the framework that we should really take all media in through, right? Is, yeah. is it these things? Now, does that mean I can't watch anything scary? No, because I think you can watch something scary that pushes for, that teaches us something about loveliness and mm. nobility and truth, right? Like I just watched Saving Private Ryan. It's not scary as like a horror movie, but it's, it's very um, gory, but not gore for gore's <laughs> sake and gut-wrenching. And I think it teaches a lot of really noble, true things. Yeah. I love that movie. I think it is a, it is an admirable movie and praiseworthy. Um, and so for adults, it's appropriate to watch it. Yeah. Right. That's not the same as what was like the movie Hostel, where it's just gore for gore's sake. Right. right? Like I'm, I wouldn't watch that and I feel uncomfortable watching that. Where does Harry Potter fall? I don't know. I can't answer <laughs> that for you. And I'll tell you in our family, we don't watch any shows that have to do with glorifying magic. That's our rule in our house. Um, especially with the younger kids. I have all young kids. We all have young kids on this show. And so if it makes magic like something glorious and fun, we don't watch it. We've made rules about that because I don't want my kids to be, to find it alluring. Like, oh, I want to cast a spell. I want to make a potion. I want to play with a magic crystal. All of those kinds of things. So we don't watch those shows. One of the big ones that my kids did want to watch for a while was called Sophia the First. It's a Disney Channel show. It has magic in it. And so we didn't watch it. Am I saying no Christian should ever watch any of these shows that I don't watch? I'm not saying that. Mm -hmm. I'm saying think about everything your kids watch or read or whatever and put it through the lens of scripture. Personally, I'm uncomfortable with Harry Potter because it does seem they are not. This is not magic as in Lord of the Rings magic, right? This is like they actually call themselves witches and wizards and they say they're doing sorcery and casting spells, and doing all these things the Bible says don't do. So I don't read them, and I don't want my kids to read them. That's my kind of thing there, but I have other good pastor friends whose kids love them, and they read them regularly, and I'm not going to say they are sinning, because uh, I don't think it's that clear. Mm -hmm. And they make a good case, well, there's Christian themes in these books that, uh, of redemption, and there are things about them that are pure and lovely and admirable. And so you have to make the line, where's the line there? Right. And I can't answer that. Does that answer your question, brother? No, Evan? that's exactly uh, what I was hoping you would get at in that. I just wanted to ask the question because I know, I mean, we grew up in a Christian house. You know, I mean, our parents are Christians and stuff like that, thankfully, that we were raised that way. Yeah. 
But just, I mean, even going back to when we were kids 20 plus years ago, this was something that came up then. And it's still a yeah. thing that comes up now in circles. So uh, I felt like we couldn't have a right. witches episode without bringing up something that is a hot button issue, quote unquote. I don't know if it says hot button anymore, but uh, it definitely was for a time. And I feel like it still yeah. comes up. So I just wanted to ask the question. And I had an answer in mind, too. Yes, I have read Harry Potter, so you can't throw it at me and be like, we just never read it. I right. did read them. So here's one I'll say a little stronger. The new Hocus Pocus, apparently, I have not watched this one, but from reading what it's about, is about witches who died in Salem and it makes them heroes for being witches. That I would be even more like, should you watch that even more a little bit like, eh. Yeah, and I will say I did watch it just because I wanted to see what the spinoff was from the one from when we were kids that came out just to see it. And I agree with that. And I don't need to watch again, too. It wasn't very good hot take yeah. here for the people that are in their 30s <laughs> yeah the new sabrina the teenage witch on netflix is very dark and i'm saying you should not watch that probably it Me is actually demonic one episode when it first came out because we're like oh it's fun from when we were kids nope nope we shut it off yes. before it was over it made us both very very uncomfortable we shut that one down quick in our house <laughs> yeah and again i'm not saying things with supernatural themes even things like demons and stuff are automatically off the table because there can be i actually believe in good stories telling the story of good versus evil yes but you want it to be good versus evil not evil as good that's the difference say where good is the winner (laughs) right or even you can have a tragedy right that's true that's true but where good should your desire is you're rooting for the good and you're calling good good and calling evil evil yeah right like when it gets blurry is when it gets really uh, we don't want to go there. Like, yeah. I actually, I'm not a big superhero person, as you could tell by me screwing up <laughs> Spider-Man earlier. But one thing I love about like Marvel movies is it's one of the only, this is a whole different topic. And so we can shut this down here, <laughs> but good, good guys and bad guys still exist. And good guys win usually in those movies. Right. Like mm-hmm. I like that. I like a good, good guys win kind of story. But anyway, let's wrap it up there. If that's okay with you, brother. Evan. Yeah. No, like I said, I just wanted to make sure we touched on that because yeah, I know it's a great question. that that's something that I would imagine questions would come up because it's one that I've had for 20 years. You know what I mean? It took me yeah. a long time to kind of fall where I do on that spectrum, but there was a lot of conflicting internal feelings on that because I knew I went to church with a lot of people that were totally fine with it. And I also had people that had those books and burned them. You know what I mean? Like it was yep. a huge two-sided thing on that. I don't think it is black and white. And that's why I wanted to kind of get you to say what you did. Yep. I wanted to bait you into that one. One last thing <laughs> I'll say on that topic before we give out like the socials and everything is let's have charity with other believers on those issues. Mm-hmm. Make your case, right? And hold firm to your convictions. Yeah. I think that's what you should do. But when somebody doesn't see a something that's not as clear in scripture as other things, let's have charity towards one another. If you're, if somebody else's kids do read the books and your kids don't, okay, that's a, you can have the conversation, but do it in love and respect and talk about why. That's it. That's, that really is the last yep. word. So I wanted to give out some of our social, tell people how they can get a hold of us. One, make sure you subscribe to us on Spotify and iTunes. I heard recently that Google Podcast is going away. Some of you listen on there. So find us somewhere else if that's you. Yep. Uh, it's actually moving over to YouTube. YouTube I'm tracking okay. that. And when it is able to transfer over to that, I'm going to work to get that as seamless as it can be on our side okay whenever it happens we'll make sure to blast it out and tell everyone when it's happening and 
give us some grace. It might be a little bit till I figure it out, but yeah, uh, I'm not a real IT guy. I'm just kind of learning play on the fly on as we TV. do this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Awesome. Um, so yeah, make sure you subscribe. We got some cool episodes coming up. I'm working on some more interviews uh, for us to bring on some more experts and maybe some returning experts that we've already talked to. So you're going to want to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can also find us on Twitter or I'm giving up on Instagram for now because it's just not playing nice. Big podcast has uh, come down on us. Yeah, really. So Facebook, Liturgy and Lore, Twitter, Liturgy and Lore, one word, spell out and. You can even email us at liturgyandlore at gmail.com. And I just wanted to give a shout out to, we'll just call him Jay, uh, someone we, we don't know in our everyday life, sent us an email and just thanked us for what we do, gave some feedback on some episodes he'd love to hear and about his favorite episode. And so that stuff, we, that's why we do this. That, incur- that made me so pumped to do this episode yeah. today because we got that right before this episode was recorded. So thanks, Jay. Uh, anyone else wants to send us a shout out? Make sure you can do that publicly and we would love it on Spotify and iTunes, but also send us some emails. And if you want to know more about following Jesus or have questions, you can email us too. We'd love to help you with that. Anything else, Brother Evan, before we go? Yeah, just, uh, and if you are sending us anything, let us know if you want it to be private or public or anything like that. Just give us a a little clear heads up on that because we do want to give you shouts. But again, we know not everybody wants to be blasted out there. So let us know if you don't want it to go live or anything like that we won't ever use your name but still it's it's good to know yep as always thanks roblo 